AML Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the AML Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Courtney DiNardo from the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, US. Hi, it's Courtney DiNardo, and I would love to talk to you today a little bit about um, molecular subgroups within patients treated with azacitidine and venetoclax. And so there were a couple um, abstracts that were presented at ASH uh, just this past uh, December 2020, where um, where some of the uh, different most common molecular subgroups were were discussed within um, you know within treatment with with azacitidine and venetoclax. And this is important, you know, as as more and more patients are being treated with azaven as um, as a new standard of care. You know, overall we have seen improved response rates um, with a composite remission rate of about you know 66 percent, um, improved overall survival with a combination of about uh, 15 months. And so the question is, are there um, specific subgroups um, that can be genomically defined that are deriving more or less benefit with um, with this combination. And so um, I'll, I'll talk about three um, different molecular subgroups today that I think um, uh, some of the data has come through that's, a, that's important to discuss. Um, the first is patients with IDH mutations. So, um, and that includes both IDH1 and IDH2. Um, all told about 20% or so of patients with AML will have um, an IDH mutation, but actually even more in the older population. The older you are, the more likely you are to have an IDH mutation. So it's about 25% um, or so of the, of the kind of older unfit AML population receiving lower intensity combinations. Um, and as was presented by um, Dan Pollier at, at ASH, the patients with IDH1 or IDH2 mutations do respond particularly well um, to azacitidine and venetoclax with um, um, uh, responses that are even higher than, than overall um, expectations and a median survival um, that's over two years. And so when you, when you put both IDH1 and IDH2 mutations together, um, you'll see a median overall survival of 24.5 months, which is really quite dramatic um, uh, given that, you know, in comparatively um, with the azacitidine alone, um, the the expectations in that population uh, was was only six months, and so so definitely a, a significant benefit there. Which actually, when you look even and drill down even farther into the subgroups, the IDH2 mutant patients um, are are doing the uh, the absolute best with a median survival that that hasn't even been been reached, um, and a 24 month overall survival that's like 58 percent. So pretty impressive. Um, I I then want to talk about. FLT3 mutations um, being, you know, one of the other um, significantly uh, larger genomic subgroups of patients. Um, in general, patients with FLT3 mutations tend to be younger, so, so a little bit different there, but definitely one of the, you know, three most common um, uh, mutations within our AML patients. So about, you know, a third of our patients will have FLT3 mutations. Um, and there are two different subtypes, right? There's the ITD FLT3 mutations, which um, are associated with a um, inferior um, uh, prognosis. And um, these patients tend to be younger and more proliferative. Um, and then there's also the FLT3 TKD, um, which is frequently the, the D835 mutation, uh, which um, is, is also associated with constitutive activation of the, of the FLT3, um, but, but doesn't have the same negative connotation necessarily. 
And so um, uh, Marina Kanapleva presented updates of patients with FLT3 mutations receiving treatment on the VLEA um, AZAVEN study. Um, and overall, patients with FLT3 mutations, when looking at kind of the D835 and the ITDs together, um, their, their response rate was, was kind of on par um, with, with FLT3 wild type patients um, in, you know, in that 60% range. Um, and overall survival in the patients with the FLT3 TKD mutations was particularly favorable, a median survival of about 19 months um, in, you know, in, in that, you know, smaller subgroup now when you when you start kind of going into subgroups of subgroups. Um, but but definitely saw um, benefit with FLT3 TKD. When you look at the FLT3 ITD, um, the median overall survival in that subgroup, there were 28 patients with FLT3 ITD that received the venetoclax azacitidine combination. Um, and their median survival is right at 12 months, 11.5, I believe, um, which, which is um, certainly um, um, uh, a, a reasonable number in our older unfit patients where kind of getting at that 12 month um, kind of mark can be can be a challenge. Um, but but suggest that that maybe the durability of response and the median overall survival in that FLT3 ITD mutant subgroup um, uh, may not be as optimal as some of the others. And so it, it raises for me the question, again, of the role of FLT3 inhibitors and how do we best utilize FLT3 inhibitors when we also have azacitidine and venetoclax and will that be kind of in, in various different kind of sequences where we'll do, um, you know, a doublet followed by another doublet or, you know, a, a triplet regimen um, once we figure out the best way to do that without, without myelosuppression. And so that's kind of an important subset for me that I'll be paying attention to um, in, in upcoming trials. Um, because the numbers are small, of course, but I, but I wonder if there's going to be ways to kind of further improve upon the outcomes of our ITD uh, mutated patients with, with FLT3 mutations. And then finally, the, the last um, uh, mutation I want to discuss ab about um, is, is patients with P53 mutations. Um, which uh, is about 15 to 20% of our older AML patients, often patients with therapy-related leukemia or leukemia with an antecedent hematologic disorder. Um, these patients tend to have particularly high-risk features um, and, and poor response rates and poor survival with any of our standard therapies. And of course, the hope was that we would see um, a, a significant benefit in the P53 mutated population. Now, we don't have an update from the VLEA um, study as a, as a subgroup analysis, but Dr. Kim, one of the, uh, one of the fellows at MD Anderson, re reported on outcomes of P53 mutant patients receiving um, a clinical trial of 10 days of decidabine with uh, venetoclax. And, you know, that's an interesting one because uh, the, the WashU group and others have, have shown that patients with P53 mutations may derive particular benefit from a 10-day decidabine, uh, decidabine um, regimen. And, and unfortunately, while the response rate was decent um, with, a, with a composite remission rate of about 57% with P53 mutated patients, which is, which is right on par with the 55% composite remission rate that was seen in the VLEA study of patients with P53 mutations. The, the, the median overall survival was, was still unfortunately um, um, pretty low um, with, a, with a median overall survival of about five and a half months, um, which is, you know, which is, 
consistent with you know the six months that have been seen with uh, with you know venetoclax combinations um, in in the other studies as well. And so, kind of a discouraging way to end this podcast. But I think you know the patients with p53 mutations are definitely an area um, where where I feel we're still uh, in in an unmet need, and we need to figure out ways to either uh, to to somehow improve upon um, not so much the response rate. Certainly, we can improve upon upon the response rate, but we really want to um, figure out how to make these responses more durable and uh, and translate into an improved overall survival in this particularly high-risk subgroup, which remains kind of in, in some ways the, the most the uh, an area of, of, of most unmet need in, in AML right now. So thank you very much for uh, listening to this podcast session. AML Hub Podcasts brought to you by Scientific Education Support.